Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Tonight on The Readout. The reality is, is it's a witch hunt because it, it, it makes no sense that in four months, four months, five months, I'm indicted. I'm going to take care of clearing my name and I look forward to doing that. The way I look at it, I'll be a chairman of a committee in a couple of years if you just look at the standards of Congress. Oh, well, the standards of Congress. The George Santos clown show enters a new phase. He's now facing felony charges and the possibility of 20 years in prison. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy refuses to call for Santos's resignation because he needs his tainted vote. Also tonight, Republicans rush to the defense of Donald Trump after a jury determined that he is indeed a sexual predator. Plus, how should the media deal with a Republican frontrunner who remains such a big danger to this country? But we begin tonight with consequences. It's not something that you often see in politics. But in the past two days, some men in powerful positions have learned the hard lesson that, believe it or not, you can't just do anything you want and get away with it. Exhibit A being serial fabricator and alleged part-time Brazilian drag queen, George Anthony Devalder Santos. The Republican congressman who who was arraigned in a Long Island courtroom today. He pleaded not guilty to seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. According to prosecutors, Santos received deceived donors to his campaign, misusing their money for personal expenses and even wrongfully claimed unemployment benefits when he was making $120,000 a year. The DOJ says if convicted, the congressman could face up to 20 years in prison. In his short time in politics, Santos has made quite the name for himself, lying about everything from his education to his employment history, to being Jewish, to hiring survivors of the Pulse nightclub shooting, even his mom dying in 9-11, none of which was true. And as a way of defending himself today, Santos pulled a Donald Trump, not only calling the indictment a witch hunt, but somehow attempting to make it about President Biden. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine, nine family members receiving money from foreign, from foreign destinations into their bank accounts. It's been years of exposing. Oh, honey. But just like Trump, who learned yesterday that, no, you cannot, in fact, just grab women by the you know what and get away with it. Santos is about to learn that that defense won't hold up in court. The congressman maintains he will not resign, even as a growing number of Republican lawmakers say he should. One person who has not called for his resignation, however, is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Here's what he said earlier today. You walk through like every American, you have your day in court and go through it, just like when another member inside the House. Santos would never put on committee, so he won't serve on committee. He can go through his time of trial and we'll find out how the outcome is. Yeah, except McCarthy did put Santos on the Small Business and Space and Technology Committees. Santos recused himself voluntarily back in January. 
Nonetheless, McCarthy's response just goes to show how the Santos indictment is not just legally damaging for a congressman who is running for reelection, by the way. It's yet another political catastrophe for a Republican caucus already desperately trying to stay afloat. McCarthy was already in a tough spot with a razor-thin majority in the House. But the events of the past 24 hours have made his job a lot more difficult. NBC's Adam Reese was at the courtroom today. Adam, how did it go down? Joy, he showed up bright and early. He turned himself in. He was arrested. He was fingerprinted. He was photographed. We'll never see those photographs. And he turned in his passport. About six hours later, we were in the courtroom for the arraignment. He walked in wearing his typical white shirt, sweater, sport coat. He sat next to his attorney. His attorney put his arm around him. He read the charges. And then it was up to the judge to ask him a few questions. Does he understand the charges? Has he read the indictment? Does he know about the Fifth Amendment? And he said, yes, ma'am, to each and every one of those questions. And then finally, she said, how do you plead? He very firmly said, not guilty. Then we got to the bond issue, $500,000 bond, three sureties. That means three people put up money to make sure he was able to walk out the front door today. They want those names sealed. They're worried about retribution. And he can't go to anywhere other than New York, Long Island or D.C. Those are the places he must stay. And if he wants to go anywhere else as part of his so-called reelection campaign, he must tell the court, he must tell pretrial services. And the next hearing is on June 30th. But once we got outside, Joy, it was a whole different story. It was a mob scene. It was a circus. Uh, about a hundred reporters and camera people were out there. And when he walked out that front door, they just mobbed him. I told him, please come over to our microphones. He eventually slowly made his way to the microphones. He said he's not resigning. This is a witch hunt. He defended himself. He said he will defend these charges. The charges are, are not accurate. He will show financial records to prove himself innocent. He said he's innocent till proven guilty. As you mentioned earlier, there was a moment there where he started talking about alleged Biden crimes. He was booed down. He said he's got to get back to Washington for a vote tomorrow. He even said at one point that at some point he will be the chairman of some committee. But these charges are very serious. They, they could lead to decades in jail. Uh, and then he was off back to Washington. Joy? Wow. What a day. Uh, NBC's Adam Reese, thank you very much. And joining me now is Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman of New York. And uh, Congressman Goldman, thank you for being here. As um, we were just hearing that litany of what happened in the courtroom today, I wrote down these two words, financial records, um, because I read through this uh, indictment um, today and was really struck by the extent to which somebody who now we know his actual name, George Anthony Devalder Santos, solicited money from donors and then transferred that money to his personal accounts where he could spend it on designer clothes, on items for himself, um, and just literally took that money that he was telling donors was supposed to be to run ads in his campaign and to further his election, lying and saying his personal company was a super PAC, but then turned around and spent the money. That's just one of the things he's charged with. Um, what, do you, what did you make of this indictment when we got it in full today? As a former prosecutor. You know, Joy, yeah, I was a prosecutor for 10 years, and it read like many indictments that I drafted. 
um, because it is a typical fraud defendant who will lie and deceive in order to get money for one purpose and then use it on their personal luxury goods. And that is one of the, the charges. There was also the unemployment insurance fraud charge where George Santos himself, who was working at that time, claimed unemployment insurance, uh, 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 claimed to get un- unemployment insurance um, from the CARES Act. And then, of course, he lied, as I think we all recognized on his disclosure forms. But there are a couple things that jump out to me, Joy. The first is these this is a brazen, brazen individual because these are pretty unsophisticated, simple crimes. Uh, There's not a lot to them. He created an entity. He lied about what it was for. And then he just funneled the money to himself. The reason why this was a relatively short investigation to date is that it's not very complicated to unpack. But the other thing that jumps out at me is when I look at his disclosures, when I look at his campaign finances, uh, there's more, I think, that the prosecutors will explore, including the loans, the purported loans to his own campaign from the same entity that he funneled the money through. And so I I think this may be the, the beginning of an investigation, not necessarily the end. And they wanted to get him with the lowest hanging fruit right up front because he continues to walk these halls here and vote on critical legislation and sometimes is the deciding vote. You know, what, what's fascinating about that, right, is that he seems to have used running for office, you know, as sort of a pad to his lifestyle. But also there was the, mis, uh, the, the misidentification of his income, where normally you would think people would undersell their income. You know, sort of what we see with uh, Clarence Thomas. In this case, he inflates his income, apparently, uh, 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 so that he can say that he loaned himself $700,000 to run for office from his own pockets, which obviously wasn't true. But you also mentioned the unemployment. Piece. This is sort of what's fascinating about that. So he lies about his unemployment history, but he is one of the main people behind trying to get more work requirements for people who are on unemployment. Um, <laughs> he's also, in terms of getting the fraudulent COVID money, he is also one of the people who is going to be voting and is a co-sponsor of a bill um, to try to catch people who are taking fraudulent COVID money and written into that bill is less money for the agency that would look into it. It seems like he was using his job to try to cover up his own misdeeds. That's absolutely right. It is the worst kind of conflict of interest uh, that any member of Congress can have. And it's exactly why he needs to resign immediately. And if he will not resign, as he said today, then the Speaker of the House needs to uh, convince him to do so because he does not belong voting on legislation that would have an impact or a potential impact on his own misconduct. Uh, that undermines every single thing that we, uh, the oath that we take and every uh, basic rule of ethics and conflict of interest that you would have uh, as a member of Congress. And this is not a situation, Joy, where, oh, there's precedent. He's presumed innocent uh, until proven guilty, which, of course, is the case. But this is a guy who admitted to lying in order to get this seat on things that are not charged in here. And he's now been charged with fraud in order to get this seat. 
all of his criminal activity, all of his deceit and lies relates to him trying to become a member of Congress. And he therefore must resign immediately and he must uh, be convinced to resign if he refuses. It doesn't sound like Kevin McCarthy is going to do that. Let me play you very quickly what he said most recently about um, supporting him or not. I think, I think he has other things to focus on this life than running for office. So you don't plan to support Santos for re-election? That's what I said. Saying I don't support him for re-election doesn't sound like he wants him to resign. It sounds like he'd like him to stick around until the election. Yeah, well, of course he would, because Santos is an extra vote. And uh, Republicans in New York, where I'm from, are furious that George Santos deceived his voters and and is now uh, giving them essentially no representation. He's not on committees. He's not doing any meaningful work. He's not doing any constituent services, from my understanding. They're unrepresented. And there's a good chance that if there's a special election after he resigns, a Democrat will win. And that means Kevin McCarthy has one fewer vote to push forward his extreme agenda. And he needed George Santos for the Default on America Act last week. He needed George Santos to become speaker. So Kevin McCarthy has no incentive to push him out, but it really is going to have to be for the American people rising up and saying that George Santos does not belong here. And they need to convince all of their representatives to urge the speaker to convince him and, and urge him to resign. He has a four-vote majority. That's all he's got. So you better believe he needs George Santos. Congressman Dan Goldman, thank you very much. And up next on The Readout. Did you ever have a flicker when you're taking a shower, walking to work, or waking up in the morning where you said, Donald Trump, you've won every battle you've ever fought. Why don't you run for governor? Why don't you run for president? Did you ever think about that? People want me to all the time. What about you? Uh, I don't like it. Why? Can you imagine how controversial I'd be? You think about <laughs> him with the women. How about me with the women? Can you imagine? Well, you might... Donald Trump back in 1998 talking to Chris Matthews about Bill Clinton scandals. And yes, Donald, we can't imagine. Unfortunately, now we don't have to. And yet Republicans are still rushing to his defense. The readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Turns out, Donald, when you're a star, you actually can't just kiss and not even wait. You, you can't just do anything. Grab him by the, you know the rest. On Tuesday, a New York jury found Donald Trump liable for sexually abusing writer E. Jean Carroll in a Manhattan department store in the 1990s, awarding her $5 million in damages for her battery and defamation claims. This morning, we got to hear from E. Jean Carroll herself, freshly vindicated, and who accomplished no small feat in holding a wealthy Republican man accountable. 
I was born in the silent generation. We put our chins up and we went right ahead with a smile on our face. I have since learned we cannot stay silent. We did away with the perfect victim concept. Mm. Uh, the perfect victim always screams. She always goes to the police. She always writes the date in her diary. She always folds up and uh, is a sad person. Uh, we smash that concept. I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed with joy and happiness and delight for the women in this country. Of course, many Republicans rush to Trump's defense, shrugging off the verdict and normalizing sexual assault. Witch hunt, they crowed. Actually, let me just... Um I think the New York legal system's off the rails when it comes to Donald Trump. What's happening in some of these courtrooms in, in Manhattan, I don't even know. I'm not going to get into it. It's a jury of his peers finding him. Come on, man, serious? Don't say that stuff to me. That might work for somebody else. That definitely don't work for me. Jury of my peers, yeah, whatever. What else you got? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. This is a sexual abuse conviction, basically. A finding, a it's an allegation from, what, 25 years ago? Hmm, how mad they get when women win. Stay mad. Joining me now is Katie Fang, trial attorney and host of the Katie Fang Show, and Tara Setmeyer, senior advisor for the Lincoln Project and former Republican communications director. Uh, Katie, I'm going to go to you first because you are the litigator uh, of these kinds of cases. They mad and they really need to how, stay mad. But how casual you hear the Republicans about the judicial system. They mm -hmm. want justice when they think there's something going on with Hunter Biden, right? Uh -huh. They want the DOJ when it's being weaponized and it's being politicized to be able to pursue the people that they want to be the targets. But when it works, mm -hmm. when a jury of Donald Trump's peers, six men, three women, one of the jurors being a man who listens to a far-right, right-wing podcaster, right? still found Donald Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation. It was a unanimous verdict. That was always my fear. Could they mm -hmm. actually get it across the finish line with all nine? And E. Jean Carroll's team did it. It was no small feat. But it's the hypocrisy. And the judicial system is supposed to be justice for all. Right. Lady justice is supposed to be blind, but only when it fits the narrative you want. And in this instance, they're all bitter and, and mad. They're all mad. They're all mad because it worked and it worked the way it was supposed to. You know, uh, Tara, maybe Byron Donalds need to spend a little bit of time uh, feeling badly for the people, the black people in Florida who his favorite governor arrested for voting. Uh, mm. He ain't mad about that. He has no problem right. with that. But he's got to defend the man with the golden toilets to the death. Um, let me play for you what a former employee of Donald Trump's had to say. This is Stephanie Grisham. She was talking about Donald Trump's conduct, not in the 90s with E. Jean Carroll, his conduct in the White House. Take a listen. He one time had one of my other deputies bring her back um, so that they could look at her ass, is what he said to him. I did all, everything I could to keep her off of trips, actually, and to stay with her if she was with him alone, because I was really nervous about what could happen. So he didn't even stop sexually harassing when he became president. And yet they're like, he's the victim. Your thoughts? Why would he stop? He told us in the Access Hollywood tape that they let you do it when you're a star. Right. When I see beautiful, I just kiss them. And he got elected president of the United States. 
I say that that's actually a bigger reflection on us as a society and on people who voted for him and continue to support him than it does about him. Because Donald Trump has revealed who he is his entire career. But it was the American voters who chose to elect him. And it's the Republican Party that has chosen to stick by him, that has chosen to elevate him, that has chosen to cravenly stay silent when they know good and hell damn well he is a chronic misogynist and sexual abuser. Let's not forget, this is the same guy who sexualized his own daughter who said Mm. that how voluptuous she was and let Howard Stern call her a hot piece of ass. This is the same guy that Michael Cohen wrote about in his book who told, who said that Michael Cohen's daughter, quote, was a hot piece of ass. And then when he found out it was Michael Cohen's daughter, by the way, she was 15, he said, oh, I'll be dating some of your friends in a couple of years. This is the same guy who bragged about walking through beauty pageants in the, in the back when women were getting changed in the Miss Teen USA uh, pageants and the thing, the pageants that he ran when he ran Miss USA. I mean, Donald Trump has consistently been a lowlife when it comes to women, and yet the Republican Party has no problem with it. Instead, to Katie's point, they attack the judicial system. There is something incredibly wrong with this. Senator Marco Rubio today or yesterday in reaction said that this was a joke. He called the jury and the, and the verdict a joke. Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, the senator there, he said <laughs> that it makes him want to vote for Donald Trump twice. What are we doing? This is today's uh-huh. Republican Party. They seem to be OK with this and they wonder why they're losing suburban voters. It, it is uh, very interesting. And these are the same people, um, to say with you for a moment, Tara, who, you know, wanted Bill Clinton in the docks back in the day. Right. They thought Bill Clinton and they never thought that those charges were too old. They never thought anything that was said about Bill Clinton and women was too old. Mm-hmm. They were like, bring it on, put him in jail. But he never Lizzie got adjudicated was one as of the a lead prosecutors. Pest. Lindsey Graham, go. of all people, was one of the lead prosecutors during the Clinton administration, uh, during the Clinton impeachment. And look at him now. He's yeah. a barnacle on the ass of Donald Trump, who is a hypocrite <laughs> and a shell of himself. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I have to ask you this, Katie, just as a juror, because look, Margaret Rubio is actually a lawyer. And so for a people, lot of them are a lot of them are lawyers. And a lot of them are former prosecutors. Let me be clear. They're not there just lawyers. Go. A lot of the members of Congress, yeah. senators and representatives, they are former prosecutors. They know what the burden of proof is for a crime. They certainly know what the burden of proof is for a civil offense. And, uh, you know, they don't have a problem, again, finding that the scales of justice only tip a certain way. Yeah. Only if it fits what they want. My concern here is the following. And to Tara's very well-articulated point, this wasn't a criminal case, right? Right. I still think they would say it was a hoax or some type of witch hunt or whatever, they being GOP. Let me, let's talk about moving forward, right? So E. Jean Carroll got her day in court. She gets her name back. She gets to regain control. But this is for something that happened to her decades ago, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a civil case. And the statute of limitations ran. And that's the reason why she was only able to do this civilly. But with her win today, with her bravery and with her courage, what hopefully is going to happen is, as she said, more women come forward when it is within the statute of limitations, when somebody who's a lech and a pervert and a horrible sexual abuser like Donald Trump actually does go to a criminal trial, is found guilty, goes to prison, right, where he literally cannot run from prison, right? That's what you kind of hope is going to be the turning point here, the looking forward part. You know, we look back and we say, what can we second guess and judge people for, especially women as, as rape victims and 
E. Jean said, we changed that narrative. We changed that definition of what the perfect rape victim is. We destroyed that complete fallacy of who that woman is. Yeah. Well, let's move forward with this and let's give women the strength and the space to say there is a process where I can find justice. And maybe people like Donald Trump actually go to jail and for good, it. God bless her as a woman of her generation for standing up. And, and she's even said she loves the fact that she, as a 70 plus year old woman, is the one who got 79 her. years old. God bless her. I want to uh, give credit uh, to two people. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give them credit. Here's Mitt Romney and Chris Christie actually reacting to the verdict like normal human beings. He just is not suited to be president of the United States and to be the person who we hold up to our children and the world uh, as a leader of uh, the free world. His response yesterday to me was ridiculous, that he didn't even know the woman. I mean, you know, how many coincidences are we going to have here with Donald Trump, Brian? I mean, he must be the unluckiest SOB in the world. He just has, you know, random people he's never met before who are able to convince the jury that he sexually abused them. I mean, this guy is one person after another, one woman after another. Tara, I'm going to give him credit. Is, is there anyone running for president that has the cojones to do what those two men just did? No, no, <laughs> they don't. No. And, you know, I mean, yes, we can give Chris Christie a little credit for saying, you know, the truth here. I mean, at least Mitt Romney's been consistent. He voted to impeach Trump twice. Yeah. But for God's sakes, Chris Christie, he's part of the reason why we have Donald Trump, because let's not forget how he, what he did during 2016 and then stood like a hostage behind Donald Trump and sat there and was complicit in a lot of what went down in, during Trump's presidency. So, frankly, I'm over Chris Christie. I don't really give them what he thinks, because um, he, to me, doesn't have the moral high ground to say anything about anything, because he he was a part of the problem. Now he wants to run for president, possibly, and he's putting out feelers. So all of a sudden, he's gotten his mojo back, allegedly. So as a Jersey girl, I'm embarrassed of Chris Christie. I, listen, <laughs> I want the, the, the jury to note that I tried to be nice at Tara <laughs> Ethered, Chris Christie, on the readout. Listen, Don't get mad on the at me. View. Wasn't the first time, trust me. I, I have it out for Chris Christie. He knows he wants no part to this. <laughs> Ether. Put the, put the music under it. Katie Fang and Tara Setmeyer. Oop. Thank you. Stay, still ahead. Oh, my damn. The media wrestles with how to cover a presidential candidate who incited insurrection against the U.S. government as the new CNN prepares to give him a massive megaphone in prime time. We'll be right back. Oops. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The bizarre reality we live in now is that the Republican Party is very likely to renominate Donald Trump for president next year. 
the same Donald Trump, who was just found liable for sexual abuse. He is the frontrunner, despite facing felony charges of falsifying business records in New York, being under criminal investigation for taking classified documents home and refusing to give them back, and under federal and state criminal investigation for trying to overthrow the 2020 election which culminated in summoning a mob to Washington to lay siege to the U.S. Capitol and doing nothing but watch TV for three hours while they hunted his vice president and attacked police officers. Scenes that are indelible and should be disqualifying in any normal political party. But it's not stopping one of three major cable news networks from giving him a friendly town hall in front of his supporters tonight. In a Rolling Stone op-ed, a contributor to that network, former Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanone, torched the replatforming of a guy who tried to get him killed, writing, putting him on stage, having him answer questions like a normal candidate who didn't get people killed in the process of trying to end the democracy he's attempting to once again run, normalizes what Trump did. It sends a message that attempting a coup is just part of the process that accepting election results is a choice and that there are no consequences in the media or in politics or anywhere else for rejecting them. Joining me now is Congressman Eric Swalwell of California, a member of the Judiciary and Homeland Security Committees. Sandra Garza, longtime partner of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who died in the aftermath of the January 6th violence. Olivia Troy, former advisor to Vice President Mike Pence and Chief Operating Officer of Mission Democracy. And Adam Serwer, staff writer for The Atlantic. Thank you all for being here. I, I want to read just a little bit more um, of Michael Fanon's excellent op-ed, which everyone should read in Rolling Stone. And he talks about getting the call from his mom saying that this town hall was going to happen and just being horrified. And then, you know, taking in the arguments that why shouldn't he get a platform? He's the front runner. And he said, I'll tell you why this is different. Those lies that Donald Trump keeps telling about the election convinced thousands of his supporters to storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, violently attacking uniformed police officers and terrorizing members of Congress and their staff. I witnessed this assault firsthand as an officer with the Metropolitan Police Department, who, like hundreds of MPD officers, responded to the U.S. Capitol Police Department's call for assistance after their officers were overrun by Trump's mob. As a result of my efforts that day, I was severely beaten, struck numerous times with a taser, and suffered a heart attack, as well as a traumatic brain injury. One police officer died, and several others took their own lives in the wake of that barbaric day. It's not just that Trump's lies and political rhetoric sparked an uprising at our nation's capital. Trump, as then president of the U.S., lied in an effort to defraud the American people and overturn a free and fair election in an attempt to remain in power. See the January 6th Select Committee's report. In doing so, he literally betrayed every aspect of his oath to represent us as Americans. We no longer need to imagine what Trump is capable of. He has shown us that he is an authoritarian who will use any means at his disposal, including violence, to remain in power. Sandra, as the partner of the person he's talking about, the officer who died and who's lay in state at our Capitol, this man, um, Michael Fanon, he ain't getting a town hall at that other network. Right. Trump is. Your thoughts? Right. Uh, well, I think uh, Officer Fanon's words are palpable. You can definitely hear the anger that he has about why 
Trump is doing this, why he's allowed to do this. Uh, you know, I, I kind of have uh, mixed feelings about it. I think in one way there might be some benefit to Trump being on that network because I'm hoping and praying that they're going to pound him with very hard questions. And it, I wish I could be there, honestly. And I actually said that to someone earlier today. I wish I could be there because he would not be able to wiggle out of some of the questions that I would have for him. Um, and he would look stupid because he couldn't answer those questions, like why he didn't call me, why he didn't call the Sicknick family, why he didn't call any of the family members of the officers who committed suicide or any of the other people that died um, so or were hurt by his actions. Uh, it's it's really reprehensible and well, upsetting. Yeah. Why he didn't call you instead of making a birthday video for Ashley Babbitt? That's what he did. He actually made a birthday video for her, called for the Department of Justice to reopen the investigation into her death when she was crashing through, attempting to crash through the Speaker's Lounge. And behind that door were members like you. That's right. Uh, Donald Trump's not worthy of a town hall. I mean, he is now just this week, in addition to everything else that he is, you know, now he's judged to be a sexual abuser and a liar. And that's not me saying it. It's you know, his neighbors, people sure. in his community, a jury of his peers. But something else I would say to that network, um, because, yes, uh, Officer Sicknick and others uh, defended me, uh, defended, uh, you know, the employees of the Capitol. Uh, they also defended the reporters. Uh, and when I was moved from the House floor uh, to a, you know, side evacuation room, uh, we were in there with reporters. And so it was CNN reporters uh, who also suffered uh, at the madness uh, and the lies that this guy spun up uh, and then aimed at this armed mob. Yeah, and, and, and the vice president. The vice president who was meant to be the victim. They brought a gallows to the Capitol. They were going to kill him. To kill him. And they would have killed him. And he they was would've. afraid to get into his, his car because he wasn't going to leave. Your thoughts, um, having worked for him, on the idea that this guy is being treated like he is just a regular politician, and it does feel like there's an attempt to kind of sideline this you know, not minor fact in his history that he's an insurrection leader. Yeah, there certainly is. And look, he is the most dangerous person to have held office, in my opinion. I mean, I, I worked in the Trump White House. There are many of us who have very strong opinions about what he was doing and how dangerous he was. And our biggest fear, and I talked to former Trump officials who will have these conversations, is that he's on his comeback tour and he's on his way back. And as someone who, obviously, I've been on CNN, I actually did one of my very first interviews with them, which was very hard for me to come forward because I knew that they were going to do everything to, in their power to try to destroy me. It is hard. I can't even imagine what Sandra must feel like, what when Mike Fanone, what Sergeant Gunnell, Harry Dunn, yeah. all of these guys must be think, sitting there thinking when they see this happening. And, you know, and the reason that it is happening is because he is the front runner for the GOP. Yeah. He will likely be the nominee, and I don't say that lightly. I do believe that he will be, because I don't see anyone else standing up to him except maybe Asa Hutchinson. But my own boss is out there defending him. He's defending him even after he was just convicted for sexual assault. How do you do that, Mike Pence? How do you do that when you know that senior staff in the White House, that worked in that White House, were well aware 
of the types of behavior that Donald Trump was exhibiting towards women in meetings. How do you say that with a straight face and go out there and defend him? Yeah. And Adam, um, I wish you were here with us. You're at a disadvantage. I apologize. But I want to bring you in because the reality is, you know, I will never forget that day um, watching Officer Eugene Goodman be backed up those stairs um, by insurrectionists who God knows what they would have done to him and then him turning them one way because the other way was the gallery that he saved so many lives. I'll never forget seeing Mitt Romney running for his life. People who are defending and putting their fist up to the insurrectionists running for their lives. It, it does feel like there is an attempt to normalize this guy who's fomented incredible racism, misogyny, rape culture. You name it, he's made it mainstream. And now he's being made mainstream. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, one of Donald Trump's insights is that the only rules that count are the ones that the system has the political will to enforce. Um, and in January uh, in 2020, there was enough political will to uh, in 2021, there was enough political will to ensure that he did not uh, succeed in his attempt to violently overthrow the 2020 election. Um, but as long as he has as much support as he has, and currently it's about half of the electorate, which has more influence than its numbers because of the nature of the Electoral College, as long as he has that support, um, he can ignore a lot of rules. And unfortunately, that is his insight. It's a weakness in the democratic system, and it's one that uh, he's taken advantage of. Let me ask you this uh, as a, a journalist. I mean, there is a way, and you know, Sandra makes a good point, that you could get something out of having him do a town hall if you're going to give him tough questions. But this audience is going to be his supporters, Trump supporters, Republican base voters and Republican leaning independents. It doesn't seem likely that the questions that come from that audience are going to be very tough. You know, is there a way to have journalists deal with him? We cover him on the show. We have to cover him. He's running. But to do that in a forum that he actually can be asked tough questions, because it doesn't seem that that would be naturally what would happen tonight. I mean, I, I don't want to prejudge before actually seeing what happens. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think there is a, a way to hold him accountable, accountable and ask him questions. I think the issue really comes down to the fact that, you know, he is a candidate. He has a, a large enough base of support to win the Republican primary. And that means, you know, in, an, in, in a news market, especially with a network that is trying to show that it is objective, that it is fair to all sides, they're going to try and cover him. Uh, you know, it, in, in a way that they see is fair. And the asymmetry of that is that this is someone who does not respect the democratic system. And so, you know, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's a tension uh, because the press has to try and be fair to all sides. But at the other time, uh, on the other hand, this person holds a view that is authoritarian and extreme. Uh, and it's very difficult uh, to uphold your commitment to democracy as a news organization while still covering an individual who fundamentally does not believe uh, in a democratic system. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep this panel. Uh, this excellent panel is going to stick around because we, we still have a lot of territory to cover. And we'll do that after this short break. Back with me are Congressman Eric Swalwell, Sandra Garza, Olivia Troy, and Adam Serwer. And, you know, we were talking in the break about the idea of normalizing democracy. I want to bring that uh, on, uh, you know, online, uh, on, on the air, because that is the danger, right, Olivia, that if we say that autocracy is 
okay and acceptable, then it becomes a norm. We have a problem then, yes. And we should not by any means be normalizing. We should normalize anti-Semitism. We should be talking about it. We cannot normalize fascism, authoritarianism. And that is my greatest fear, is by platforming this individual, while I understand free press and while I understand, you know, being unbiased, you're platforming someone who just doesn't fundamentally believe in our democracy. That's the bottom line, right? As Michael Fanone stated. Yeah, and here's here's the challenge for Republicans. If you when you poll um, Republicans and you ask, CBS did, and he said, would you prefer a, a, a candidate who criticizes insurrectionists, supports insurrectionists, or doesn't comment? Six out of ten said doesn't comment, which is kind of shocking for our democracy. But um, only fifteen percent said criticizes. You had a quarter of Republican voters say they want someone who supports insurrectionists. So aren't Republicans, and I don't know if your colleagues yeah. admit this to you behind the yeah, scenes, my parents. <laughs> that they're, they're in a world where the, you know, a good plurality of their people yeah. are for the insurrection. I actually think though the reason these numbers are going up is, as far as support for Trump or support for the insurrection is because the overall number of people identifying as Republican is shrinking, right? Right. You know, people are leaving the party. And I yep. hear this all over the country. You know, I, I'm now registered independent. as an independent. Yep. Uh, and so, of course, that means the most extreme views, I think, will only increase. But I just want to walk you through a Judiciary Committee hearing today mm-hmm. that we had, where uh, we had the you know, crazy idea that we should have legislation as police week approaches. And Sandra knows, uh, and I know with my family, uh, that's always in May, and we honor uh, the fallen. Every year, we pass a resolution that, you know, thanks police, thanks them for their sacrifice. Yeah. This year, the Republicans uh, put uh, into their resolution just all these smears and slurs against Democrats saying that, you know, we want to, de- despite the Democrats wanting to defund the police, et cetera, right. et cetera. So we tried to put in, we were like, well, maybe we should include in this resolution, you know, to honor the January 6th officers, mm-hmm. uh, that we should recognize that the leading cause of death for police officers is gun violence, uh, you know, to make sure that we also just recognize, uh, you know, that they are trying to defund the ATF and the FBI. They voted against all of that. And that, that's where Donald Trump has taken them, yeah. is that they could not even, and, and we tried, it was just to honor local law enforcement. We put an amendment in to say local and federal law enforcement. Yeah. They voted that down. They voted it they down. They voted it down. And, and so that's where he has taken them now. Yeah. This, you know, uh, partners meeting uh, of insurrec- Insurrection LLC, the Judiciary Committee that just does his bidding. They're now voting against the police because Donald Trump doesn't like the police. That's, and now that's they're the defund the police party. I mean, literally, they, made, they went into the, the jail and made a song with the people who were there for brutalizing police officers. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. It's not going to win a Grammy. Just spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Won't even get nominated. No, no. Won't even get nominated. But I mean, that is, I mean, as the partner of a, a fallen police officer, mm-hmm. that is a shift, right? I mean, yes. police officers are generally Republicans. Yes. You know, I think it's fair to say Michael Fanone leaned Republican yeah. beforehand um, and c- came to find out they don't really give a damn about him. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel as well? Yes, absolutely. I am disgusted with the way that Trump and the people who follow him are now anti-police. They do things to harm the police, and yet, but they'll scream to their voters or their constituents that, oh, we support law enforcement. That's a bunch of garbage. They don't support law enforcement. If they did, they would have done more to ensure that we don't have an insurrection (laughs) like what happened on January 6th 
ever happen again. Yeah. But they're not doing that. Yeah. They're doing the opposite. They seem to, and, and even in the states, Adam, they seem to be sort of preparing to make to ensure a, a Republican victory, to ensure people have less access to the ballot, to ensure that the atmosphere is primed as much as possible for a Donald Trump if he's the nominee. And I will just note for you, this is the endorsement count so far. Donald Trump has 53 House members endorsing him. He has 11 senators endorsing him. He has two governors endorsing him. Ron DeSantis, who basically is just mini Trump, he's the, 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 the faux version of Trump without the personality, he has four House members, and he was a House member. Isn't that the problem, that the political incentives are all in favor of, of supporting Trump again? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Donald Trump is a manifestation of this anti-democratic force in the Republican Party that was present before he became the no- Republican nominee for president in 2016. Um, you know, this is, you know, the, the, the sort of gerrymandering, the effort to uh, make sure that Republicans can't be voted out of office by gerrymandering uh, legislative districts to the point where uh, it's basically impossible for them to lose majorities in states. You know, that predates Donald Trump. What Donald Trump did was give it a voice, was manifest it, was, um, you know, give it a figurehead to support um, but he is not, you know, th- this issue really predates Donald Trump. Uh, the problem is that he has proven to be an effective, charismatic leader for this movement. Um, and, th- th- and the only thing to really do here is to defeat it politically. I, I mean, I know that sounds unfair. I know it sounds, um, you know, it, it sounds dangerous. Uh, but ultimately, there's no easy way out of this situation other than defeating this political p- force at the ballot box. And that is true. I mean, you're, you're our elected official at the table. That's true, right? I mean, unfortunately, the way our system works is he can run. He could run from Rikers. Yeah. And the only solution is to defeat him again. And, and your viewers should know, though, we, we are defeating him. We, we won the House at 18. We won the White House, kept the House, and picked up the Senate in 20. We defied all expectations uh, in the last election and added a senator. So we are narrowly winning. So if we stay in the area of community and competency— they're going to double down on chaos, and, yeah. and we're going to win. And they're going to double down to on Donald up, Trump. They're going to, going to yeah. double down on yeah. Donald Trump, even I mean, your former boss. bad for the party. I mean, that's the thing. He's bad for the Republican Party. I mean, yeah. I don't know anyone who is like a good-hearted American who wants to be associated and say, yeah, I want to be the party of uh, racist, um, anti-democracy, anti-police, anti-doctors, anti-health community. I mean, these are all the things that have happened under Trump, right? Yeah. This is all under his watch that has led the party that direction. You know, it's been healthcare workers. I mean, I could, we could go on and on. Yeah. And they're embracing it with both arms. Uh, Congressman Eric Swalwell, Sandra Garza, Olivia Troy, Adam Serwer, excellent panel. Thank you for sticking around for a couple of blocks. We appreciate y'all. We'll be right back. And that is tonight's readout. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.